0: all right welcome to another edition of sounding off on soccer this is John Kaczynski Pittsburgh Soccer now uh we have a special guest coming up soon uh Matt Ralph uh, our partner our friend from the eastern part of the state uh who is the managing editor uh previously of the brotherly game the brotherly game and is now part of the soccer now family uh with the introduction last week of Pittsburgh not Pittsburgh soccer now but Philadelphia soccer now. So we have a brother site in the eastern part of the state. We're in the western part. So we feel strongly now that we've got Pennsylvania covered and uh, real proud of that, real proud of the growth of coverage of soccer in western Pennsylvania and now entire state of Pennsylvania. Um, Matt and his team and his contributors uh, have been doing an outstanding job, and he's certainly been a contributor for our site in recent years as well. Uh, has helped us with PIAA coverage, and he has also, when there's been Pittsburgh teams playing in the Philadelphia area, he's uh, been generous enough to contribute his uh, talents in terms of maybe a game coverage here, or especially photos. He's been uh, helping uh, provide photos for us uh, when Duquesne has played at LaSalle and some of those other type of games, and uh, had a chance to meet Matt uh, for the first time in person when he came, uh, made the trip, uh, Pittsburgh when Westchester, uh, PA, the Division um, Three school, uh, played national championship. Uh, you may recall one of the Pittsburgh connections with Westchester was Will Marshall uh, was the goalkeeper for Westchester. He played at Pitt for a number of years, uh, a local Pittsburgh uh, player, but uh, had gone to Westchester for his senior, his final season of eligibility. And was part of a team that made it to the NCAA championship final 4 which was played in none other than Pittsburgh at Highmark Stadium so um that was a great opportunity to meet Matt in person uh, that that day uh when covering the Westchester in the final so um good stuff and uh, ever since then Matt and I have stayed in touch and and maintained a good working relationship so um just a uh, good good that now when the need came arose for uh you know maybe looking for a partner, looking for, uh, to build Philadelphia soccer now, um, with the, uh, SP nation, no longer sponsoring the sites, uh, for many, of MLS, uh, soccer, um, coverage, uh, in certain local markets, uh, in the Philadelphia market, he, he turned to us and we looked and we worked something out together. So looking forward to talking about that Uh, But before we get to that, let's talk briefly. Uh, It is today, uh, the Pittsburgh Riverhounds uh, made some announcements. They are now up to 17 total players on their roster. And so that's for them. That's really, they're getting to where they want to be. Bob Lilly has had a, a very young team, I think, this year compared to last year. The oldest player is Canardo Forbes, and he's by far the oldest player. He's 34. And then the next oldest player um, is 28 years old. So that's kind of where the Riverhounds are right now. Uh, They've signed, you know, brought back 10 players from last year's roster, but most of those were younger players. Of course, Robbie Mertz is coming back and, you know, a core group of players behind him, um, Jamali Waite and Goal and so on and so forth. Um, But today's announcement, the Hounds uh, announced three Players signed to the roster for this week ahead of their final preseason match against Louisville City this Saturday. The Hounds uh, added midfielder Junior E2 and forward Tony Lopez and defender Michael DeShields. Um, each signed one year contracts with the club option for 2024 pending USL and US soccer uh, approval. Three additions makes it, as I said, 17 uh, to the River Hounds roster. And E2 is probably the most interesting signing because the Hounds are really looking for that defensive holding midfielder, that box-to-box guy. It's going to do a lot of the dirty work. And, you know, with the departure of Danny Griffin, you still have a really good core midfield. You have Canardo Forbes, the USL Championship's all-time leading scorer. You have Robbie Mertz, who, you know, can do a lot of different things and play wide, play in the central part of the field. And then Mark Ybarra, they brought him back. A second-year player who I think Bob Lilly believes in, and I think can can be a con- constant contributor to this central midfield. But what they didn't have was, you know, Danny Griffin's role of kind of playing is much deeper, covering a lot of ground, stop making those key defensive stops, uh, and and just being a ball hawk and stopping the ball whenever and and, and you know repossessing uh, the ball and looking to get um, the hounds in Maintain possession and just work and work. And sometimes, sometimes that player, whether it was Danny Griffin or whether it was Muhammad Dabo before him, played higher up uh, when the Hounds were looking to press and they would sit a different center midfielder deeper. Uh, Bob Lilly does so many different things tactically. So uh, we'll be interesting to see how uh, E2 is used as well as. Uh, the other central midfielders that I just mentioned, and then the other two additions uh, include, as I mentioned, um, Lopez, and you know he more of a younger player, uh, forward with a lot of potential. And I think one thing Bob Lilly is looking for is to kind of replace who those guys going to be that are going to make those runs that are going to that, that are going to get behind defenses and replace the productivity and the work ethic that. Russell Cicerone brought last year and Alex Dixon and just guys, I think there's still a couple wingers out there that they could pick up and add to the roster. Uh, maybe wider players that can be a little bit more dynamic. That's something that I think they're still probably searching for, uh, but it'll be interesting to see how Lopez fits in. Uh, you know, he, he played in the Brazilian second division. He uh, went to UC Riverside. Um, and uh, you know, so in left in his sophomore year, um, and then he played in the uh, NISA, uh, the with the with the um, the Cal United Strikers. And uh, from what I've seen, the little bits and pieces of of him playing in the preseason, I think he he's a guy that um, its work rate is there. So I think he's that that kind of what similar type of player like Russell Cicerone was. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how he he pans out. So a lot of depth there at forward now. Now the Hounds have four. Uh, at least on the depth chart for rock forwards, if you include Albert Dequa and uh, Edward Kiza, uh, as well as Langston Blackstock. So that's a pretty deep group of forwards. Uh, a couple young guys along with Dequa and Kiza. Kiza is really a young guy too. So Bob Lilly, true to his word, at the beginning of the off season, he said he was going to build this, uh, be a younger roster and the Hounds are certainly there. E2 is the second oldest player on the team at age 28 and he's been around in the usl championship played in tampa bay last year before that he was in charlotte uh he, he's been around he's got a, a lot of experience and that's the kind of guy i think that the hounds are happy to add uh, with the departure of danny griffin i think they're very happy to have him as well so that's um kind of where they are uh you know and in the shields you know a defender got a really good look at him in the preseason and even in training a lot. Um, physical guy big guy um and you know athletic he was uh, he played at wake forest in college and i think he's another option on the back line that the hounds can use and um bob Lilly just loves to have those athletic um defenders that can mark up and can do things in the box and and maybe score on on free kicks and things of that nature um so his run was Again, played at Wake Forest, graduated in 2021, uh, went to the MLS, actually 2020, MLS draft in 2021, uh, was drafted by uh, DC United, did play at Loudoun United that first year in the pros, uh, 14 uh, appearances, and then he went over to, to, he was released from DC United and was part of New England Revolution 2, so he was a teammate, uh, at least for bits and pieces of Edward Kiza. Uh, with the New England Revolution last year, making 17 appearances, so he's he's you know he's played with the Hounds this preseason. He even scored a goal, um, so it'll be interesting. I think the all three provide that depth. They're young players. They've got a lot to prove. They could you know who knows And they can make their way uh, into the lineup and play a lot. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where they all fit in. Um, but I, I certainly believe E2 is going to be the guy that will probably jump right in and play in that holding midfield spot and get a lot of. Um, starts um, in that role so all right so we're getting ready to bring on Matt Ralph uh, from Philadelphia Soccer now our brother site Uh, looking forward to that conversation Uh, but that's where the Riverhounds are heading into their last preseason game and then the the opener uh, coming up in uh, a little more than a week on March 11th Saturday night the rematch playoff uh, again playoff rematch in the opener with Birmingham at Birmingham. So that should be a lot of fun. So, all right, let's get ready to bring Matt Ralph on to the podcast. All right, we got Matt Ralph here. This is John Krasinski, Pittsburgh Soccer Now. Matt, you are, first time I introduce you as Matt Ralph from Philadelphia Soccer Now. You like the sound of that? Yeah, sounds great. So we are officially uh, partners in 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 the soccer, um, coverage, uh, we're, we're, we're covering Pennsylvania soccer now, I guess, from, from, from West on my side, over to your side, to the East. Um, so, you know, the first week, obviously, actually, why don't we go back a little bit and just walk us through this experience that you've gone through. Um, you've, you know, dedicated a lot of your time to covering uh, the, you know, soccer in your area in the Eastern part of the state and brother, uh, You know, the brotherly game. First of all, I always love that name. So I'm glad you're keeping that in terms of the the union coverage. I like that that angle. But um, don't you take us back a little bit and walk us through um, how your site came to be first? And then, you know, what happened with SB Nation and and really what what your um, your process has been like to to get things up and running ahead of the unions uh, opener on Saturday.
1: Yeah, so you know the the site has been around um, more or less since the beginning of the team. Um, I, I don't know the official date. As we get this archive file going, we'll we'll will we'll figure it, figure it out when the when everything started. But um, yeah, so it was a it was started in SB Nation. Um, you know, there was a time when they kind of had every MLS team covered. That started to slip in the last few years, which was probably a sign of of things to come. Um, they didn't add FC Cincinnati. They didn't add Austin FC. They didn't add Inter-Miami, et cetera. So I got involved initially, I guess it's been about eight years now, maybe 2014, 2015. And initially I was just writing about... Like the academy and college soccer, and just sort of the things that I was, I kind of had a unique perspective or that I actually followed. Um, I've always been a Union fan. I mean, I followed the team since well before they started, but I've also always had an interest in soccer in general and, you know, being of a certain age, right, where you kind of just followed whatever you could and whatever the, whatever the, uh, whatever league or team, I mean, I was, I was living in Lancaster. And so for a little while and the Harrisburg city Islanders were the team that I, I followed and supported and sort of, they were kind of my entry into the open cup and some of the exciting um, games they had. And obviously who <laughs> you, you write about some of those in your book, um, the miracle in the Mon, but um, that was kind of my entry into it initially. And then as time went by and people kind of stopped doing various things, I ended up as the editor and you know just always kind of had that passion for covering all kinds of soccer not just the union and we actually met right at the division two national final when Westchester made it out to Highmark Stadium and so you know that was a big thing that hey here we <laughs> we have a team playing for a national championship in the state um I'm gonna find a way to get out there and so Um, So, yeah, it's always been important to me to cover the the sport as a whole. And I think one of the awesome things about soccer is that you can draw this through line from the professional game all the way down to, the you know, just the intro to soccer at age four or or whatever. I mean, Jim Curtin, the head coach of the Philadelphia Union, one of his first coaching gigs was was with four-year-olds. And, you know, he was able to work his way up. From coaching the little guys all the way up to coaching the professional team in town, so I've always appreciated that about soccer. I mean, it is association football it is a sport, right? That's where we get the name and uh, just the the connections of the different levels and how either as a player or as a coach or as you know a writer or whatever it is that there's there's levels you can travel and it's all it's all interconnected in a really cool way.
0: It really is. There's a certain sense of, oh, you know, if you talk to somebody in a different setting and you just soccer comes up, it's like there's just an instant connection around here in this country, I think, because there aren't there. We're growing and there's more of us. But I think there is there's something special um, that connects people uh, when they talk about soccer uh, in, in this in our part of the world, I guess, if you will, whereas it's truly unifying in other countries. It is, it is life. It is everything. So, um, so from Pittsburgh to Philly, you know, you talk about just two cities that have such awesome, but unique sporting culture and, you know, soccer in Pittsburgh has, as you know, you've read my book and you, uh, we've talked about this, but Pittsburgh has had its battle in terms of an identity uh, soccer trying to find its way and have an identity there's it's interesting because there's a history there there's this history that 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 exists that goes back many many years you know we have such a strong immigrant you know history of um that and going back almost to the turn of the 20th century so soccer's had some sort of presence here um but yet it never fully it just kept getting pushed aside it never really grew into anything significant here uh until the you know last couple generations but where it's starting to kind of get back into it but you know in, in in your in philadelphia and in eastern pennsylvania you know again there's a lot of history there but there's also a lot of recent just really incredible development you know in terms of the youth level and the players uh you know the talent that comes out of that area is just second to none if you want to you know, look across the country. Yeah, it's great. I mean, one of the things
1: that's funny when you when you start to talk about the connections between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, you know, one of the big areas is the the PIAA finals. And I feel like in some ways, uh, Pittsburgh has gotten the, the better of us uh, in, in recent years because in part, because we have, you know, we have not just the union, we have FC Delco, we have, PA classics and you know playing in the the MLS next and so our talent pool has been drained a little bit but they are still great battles I mean you think about like the Conestoga <laughs> Conestoga beating uh, Seneca Valley last year then Seneca Valley getting back to it and uh, taking out all of their frustrations on Lower Marion unfortunately in the final this year mm-hmm. uh, but that's I think that's a big area where we do see that that overlap but then also in some of the state cups and you know just some of the some of those games. And then, you know, we don't get it all the time, but you know, I, I have seen Pitt play at Temple and um, mm-hmm. on the men's side and women's side. And so um, it is fun when you start to think about some of the overlap and some of the connections. And then you have players who, who have played, uh, you know, on both sides of the state for various teams. And um, it is, it is interesting because, you know, we are one state and you look on Wikipedia and you look up professional soccer players and you'll see, players from the West, from the East, from the Central, from, you know, all, all parts of the Commonwealth. So I do, I do like that aspect of it that I think there's, um you know, unfortunately our football teams don't play each other. Uh, they, they should be in the same division. I think that would be cool. But, uh, and our baseball teams don't play. It's, it's kind of strange in that sense and other sports, but, um and obviously we uh, haven't really had a Philadelphia union Riverhounds game. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping one day that happens, but uh, well, it is kind of fun when you start to think about the, you know, as a whole, um, you know, the Commonwealth and how big it is. I mean, I was looking up today, we're one of the few states in the country that has our association is split. Um, California, North, California, South, we have PA West and Eastern PA for youth soccer. So, um, you know, so it is a little bit, um, it's vast in that sense, but I still do think there is that affinity that exists just because we are in the same state.
0: Well, and that's, it's going to, you and I have talked a lot about this and we, you know, on and off, we've kind of gone back and forth about, you know, what are the best ways to cover this state? It's just such a large state. Now I have experience, I'm a little older than you, and I also have experience working for a statewide organization uh, that was a sports entity, which was Special Olympics. And I traveled every corner of the state in this in that you no know, that was 20 years ago i did that for about six years and i was a competition director in, in western based. but i had to cover i did all the events that were east we were at villanova we were at state college you know we we did as a as a statewide team and the reason why i bring this up is because you know I, we we had the way we broke the state down was this six different sections you know there was yeah, it was southwestern, south, you know, southeastern, north central, south central and northeast uh, and northwest. So, you know, there was like those six different sections. And I mean, you talk about very different demographics. You talk about rural versus urban. You talk about industrial cities, smaller industrial cities, you know, like there's there's just it's just such a diverse state in so many ways. And uh, it makes our, you know, you, you hear about all the time, like the electorate, how unique the electorate is. And this is one of those States that's, you know, going to be, we don't want to talk politics too much here, but you know, it's just, it's just, but what I'm saying, it's so unique um, in that respect. And, you know, like I said, our, what's, what soccer means to each area is very different too. Um, but we both struggle in terms of we we soccer uh, struggles for to 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 be relevant in terms of the mainstream uh, media. And I think that you lived in Lancaster for a while and you experienced the Pittsburgh City Islanders and we've had a lot of conversations with the former City Islanders, you know, players like you know, I have with Neil Schaefer and 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 Nick Noble and those guys. And they're still baffled by the fact that there isn't even a like a league League One team somewhere in central Pennsylvania because of the fact that there's such a good youth development area. I mean, we it claimed, you know, think about this for a minute. I mean, even before we mentioned the name Christian Pulisic, you got Ben Olson, you have Bob Lilly, you have Mark Pulisic. I mean, these are just, I'm just throwing some initial names out there. We can go on and on. Um, Central Pennsylvania has a lot of, has always brought out a lot of really good soccer talent. Um, so Bill Becker is another, you know, so it just goes on and on. It it's just a unique state, isn't it, Matt?
1: Yeah, it is, and you know I'm I'm fully on the uh, bring back the city Islanders train. Uh, like I said, I was a big city Islanders fan before the they were the team, the the professional team, this side of the, well, I guess it's technically this side of the Schuylkill River, but. It's, you, you, yeah, literally, literally in the middle of the Schuylkill River. Uh, but this side of this half of the state, uh, they were the the lone professional team for a long time. So, um, you know, I think it's a shame that that team hasn't made. I mean, they there is a a W uh USLW team now in Mechanicsburg, which is great. And I mean, just the Mechanics, you know, look up Mechanicsburg, how many professional soccer players have come from from that town? And you look at Messiah men and women programs, what they've done over the years, and um, yeah, and I think I think when you when you sort of factor in, you know, all of the talent that comes from there, and you know, from Lancaster, from while well, we Union just signed a player born born in Lebanon, uh, so you know, th- there's there there is such a um, wealth of talent. I mean, I was at a showcase this weekend, and you know, saw an Eagle FC team that I I liked a lot. You know, from Mechanicsburg, a boys team, and so there's just a lot of. Um, there's a lot of those pockets in those areas of the of the state that I think um you know have have done well with the sport and you know I think the heat was a big sort of um booster of that and brought in a lot of these guys that you know Betcher Bill Betcher played for the Heat and Pulisic and all those guys and then they stuck around. I mean, Pulisic was the, the coach at um Lebanon Valley when I was a student there. So um, you know, they brought in these guys and they all kind of stuck around and they and they um you know they built the sport and it's one of the things I love about Bob is you know being a guy from I guess he's not originally from Carlisle but he grew up in Carlisle and mm-hmm. you know in the middle of the state and here he is all these years later still coaching a team in in Pennsylvania and and doing well with the River Hounds and everything. So it's 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 really kind of that through line even with him and the Wildcats and you know how they had this really successful team that lost in the final and then they cut the program, you know, Herco was, I guess it didn't matter that Bob, you know, took them to to within one win and win the the league championship. They, they, they were done. They, they cut that team. And I think even that wild. there was a lot of momentum from that Wildcats team that he put together was such a strong side. And, um, you know, they were, they were, you know, around when I was in college uh, near Hershey. So Um, yeah there's a lot of really kind of cool uh history and you know you look at the just all of our Philly guys that were part of the U.S. national team and the Bethlehem Steel winning all those open cups and just a lot of a really great history um across the commonwealth right Al Miller is from Al Miller is from Ono Pennsylvania and he won um you know he won the the NASL with he was the first American coach to win, win the NFL championship with the Adams and, you know, Jerry Yagley, who's the legendary, right. you know, he basically put Indiana on the map and he's from, he's from Lebanon, Pennsylvania, and he won a national championship with Westchester. I mean, so you just, you start to go through the list and it, it you just, you realize like how many people have come from Pennsylvania that have, have made a, a real impact on the sport.
0: Right. And then you even look at like like you said, sometimes when you look at the smaller college and you see the dominant like Messiah, like you mentioned Messiah, like all those national all those national championships. I mean, the the Messiah way, like there was there was a legitimate thing there. Uh, and of course, you know, the Hounds, the uh, owner, Tuffy Schollenberger Schall- bought into it because he brought Dave Brant in, the coach, for a couple of years. And there, it, now you- he's back at Bucknell, I think, right? Yes. And he's now he's back in Pennsylvania, which uh, will be fascinating to see. I think it was his first year last year, but the second year too. see how he does when he starts recruiting his own players and things like that. But, yeah, it just it's it's a it's interesting. And, you know, Pittsburgh has the Morgan Strassers and the beadlings. And there's there's some some serious old history there and a few um, connections to some of the original U.S. men's national soccer teams. Um, you know Albert, Albo, Aldo Danelli is this name that keeps coming up in Pittsburgh soccer history and he was on that 1930 team you know it's just like there's there's some connections to Pittsburgh in terms of you know going back there's been open cup winners um, from from our region as well Harmerville is another program that obviously doesn't exist anymore but um, so there's a lot of history. It's a state that's older. And so that because of that, we we certainly have um, a lot of that history and a lot of immigrants on both sides of the state. So um, but let's talk about now um, you have the Philly Union and first game. I, I think there's a lot of positive buzz. I really look at it. It's interesting. The Riverhounds and the Union in their separate leagues, you have the USL championship and you have, you know, MLS, uh, obviously two different levels but the union a lot of people are really touting uh, them in terms of being uh you know a serious contender getting back to the um to the final um what what are your what are your thoughts you know on on that and 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 how far can they go this year yeah i mean i
1: think they're promo video they're you know they use the phrase run it back cuz they basically somehow returned all of their starters from last year which is a is a rarity in soccer really at any level um, anywhere in the world that you would, you know, have a team that would compete for a title and then bring all those players back. So, you know, I think there's there's that, like, they have a little bit of a bad taste in their mouth for what happened losing penalty, you know, penalty shootout to LAFC. And, you know, it was a a month of, for Union fans, it was pretty tough because then Chris, uh, <laughs> Our Gareth Bale then scored um the game winner against that knocked the US out of or, or he scored the game goal against the US with Wales or whatever, but um after scoring against the Union to tie the game and of the penalties. But um, you know, it was a, a really an incredible run for them last year that you know the the challenge this year is gonna be for them to manage all of these competitions that they have and the league is really expanding their uh, the number of competitions with this Leagues Cup and they're taking a month off to play it against League Meki clubs, but it's not really a proper competition because all the games will be in the U.S. Um, so it's a, it's a little weird and they're taking a month off for it. So I think that's going to really add to the wear and tear of the season. They're also in Champions League. They got to go down to El Salvador and play on a field that we're not certain is going to be <laughs> a great a great pitch to play on. Um So I think, I think they certainly are, are one of the favorites to get back and to lift some hardware, but it, it also is a long road and a long season and a lot can happen. The summer transfer window is still, still there looming. Um, You know, it's, you know, there's a lot that goes into how, how to keep a team together at this level. And when you have suitors come, come for players and when you're successful, that's when those people come. Right. So um there's a there's yeah it's a, there's a great buzz the state they're they're planning to sell out every game this year which for a long time having the stadium down in chester was a little bit of a challenge to get people yeah you know, i mean it's a challenge to get people to come to games when they're not winning right uh but it, you know not being in the city center i think you know if you're thinking like, yeah, you know, it's a little harder to get down there. They're not winning. I'm not going, but they're winning and that, you know, that changes the equation for sure. And so I think there's a lot of excitement and it's, you know, they had a pretty convincing winner over the crew to start the season. And, you know, everyone's, everyone's pretty buzzed about that. And, uh, um, you know, it's just, it gets interesting when like, how do you write about a team that, <laughs> yeah, in some ways, I feel like uh, it's a little harder to write about a team that's been su- as successful as they have been. Um, but uh, but no, it's been exciting. It's it's definitely they've done they've they've done a slow build over the years, and they've gone from a, being a struggling franchise that couldn't get people to games to now turning people away. So it's it's a good, a good time to be a Philadelphia Union fan for sure.
0: Well, I think Pittsburgh soccer fans that follow the Riverhounds closely can relate to everything you just said. I mean, the the the, the question now is there's been su- sustained success under Bob Lilly, but the playoffs, you know, there's been playoff failures. They've come up short a lot. Um, of course, it all started the first year uh, with the Bethlehem Steel game, which, you know, I'd love to rehash that uh, whenever I get a chance. Uh, uh, James James Chambers, Chambers Yeah. <laughs> Uh, It would have been a great um, WWE uh, um, uh, professional wrestling heel, I think, James Chambers, but uh, he was great. It was great. The whole thing about that match was exciting, except back here, people were, you know, obviously very disappointed because that team had high hopes and this young, brash Billy Union team, but look who was on that team. I mean, if you look back, you know, Brendan Aronson, you know, had, had a cup of coffee there and um, there were some other really young, talented players. So uh, I don't think that uh, maybe the Hounds took them lightly, you know, who knows. But but I think that, though, what I was trying to say, though, the analogy of, you know, they've been successful now for this is year six with Bob Lilly. It seems like it's the same old story. You know, they kind of have to they build things back up in the offseason because that's the nature of the USL championship little um, as opposed to bringing eleven starters back, you know, for for the Philly Union. but it just always seems like Bob Lilly finds a way to have his team at the in the top tier of the USL championship. Uh, though the question is is like, how do they get past that? But the fans are experiencing that. but we've seen the sustained success has also brought the fans back a little bit. Um you know we're we're starting to see more, consistent uh, attendance numbers are getting a little bit higher here, which, you know, it's, it's, incre- it's incremental here. Um, Highmark stadium has been open for 10 years. Um, but, you know, there are some slight parallels, although different leagues and different audiences and different markets. Um, but I, I think I would, I would like to see, you know, that that U S open cup, one of these years, it, it tilts to the East a little bit and they end up in the same quadrant with, with the union because uh, we keep seeing Columbus Crew or Cincinnati. Seems like that's the cycle we're in over here. And that's fine. It's exciting. And it seems like we're always, the Hounds are always playing at least the last four or five years, really haven't hosted an Open Cup match against an MLS team since we're going back to 2015 against DC United. So, um, what we, I think, more than anything, any pittsburgh soccer fan will tell you if you, if it was on the top of their wish list would be to see an mls team here at highmark stadium sometime in the next year or two um wouldn't be be awesome for both of us if it were the union i think yeah that'd be great
1: yeah i think one of the things that happens with them um, with open cup and you know, i love the open cup and um i think the the earlier rounds tend to be a little more exciting you know i cover a lot of the the qualify local qualifiers and stuff too, but, it's always interesting um but then it starts to get a little bit boring when <laughs> when you have you know it's like for a while there the union played the city islanders every year and it just you know, or they play the red bull or dc united it starts to get a little bit old and so i think you know it would be it would be nice to kind of mix some of those things up and i think having mls teams travel is a good idea and you know Interestingly enough, I think the teams that tend to do well, like you saw you know, a couple of years the Union made the final, they they hosted most of the games. Orlando, I think, hosted all of the games last year. So um, it definitely, I think it lends itself a little more to some drama when you have these MLS teams go to lower division stadiums. And, you know, especially when you have venues like Highmark and, you know the park, the stadium in Louisville, which is just blows my mind. Um, it's as nice. Yeah, I lived in
0: Louisville. Park, MLS stadium. I lived in
1: Louisville for a little while before all the soccer came to town. We just had you, you know, the old, the old U of L stadium back then, which was, you know, share of the track team. Uh, but um, you know, you're seeing some of these venues that it would just be great to have. You know, the MLS teams travel to those venues and really, really showcase what's been what's been happening at you know, at the USL uh, championship and league one level.
0: Yeah. So I will. And that's the cool thing about, again, where you said kind of at the outset and talking about what really got you hooked in soccer was <clears throat> you followed all the lower level stuff. And, you know, I think that is our bread and butter too, for soccer. Now, I mean, yeah, the Riverhounds are the the pro team in our area. And, you know, I think there's definitely been a struggle for that, Getting not only the mainstream audience to really, really get behind them, but when we devote time on our site to stories about our local soccer programs, whether it's NPSL team, the Pittsburgh Hotspurs, or the women's version of that, the higher level, uh, whether it's the collegiate, the Pitt, the Duquesnes, the Robert Morris's, um, we... That's our niche audience. That's where people get excited about, wow, you guys are covering that. And it's something that what makes our site unique. And I think that's something that you have also done uh, on your end uh, to bring uh, that coverage to, you know, the Westchesters and even the, the, the D1 schools in your area, which, again, it's a big city. There's a lot going on. So sometimes people don't really know about LaSalle or Temple Soccer.
1: Yeah, and I love that part of it, too. I mean, I I wish we had a little more success in our in our college programs than we've had um, at the D1 level. But, you know, a little I'm a little jealous of uh, the Pitt programs, how they how they were last year. And I mean, even Duquesne's been been really building a a great program um, there as well. So um you know it's it, i think it's important like i said that, that, to put things in context in context and you know when you have it's not you know the college level isn't the development um stop that it once was but there still are players that that can develop in college and go on to play um professionally and so uh you know Kristanovin played uh, played for Drexel and now he's he's playing for the for the Union and and Union too. So, you know, I think it's it it it's all part of building the the sport and and the culture. And you know, I love going to the games because you see, you just never know who you're going to run into. You know, the a lot of the parents, um, a lot of the parents are people who played. You know, so you go to a game and you see, um, you know, you end up. Meeting and talking to all kinds of people who have connections throughout the sport, um, in in different ways, and so uh, I've always sort of found um, found that to be a lot of fun. And obviously, you know, like anything, you know, because we support the sport, you want more people to to get excited about it and <laughs> to 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 be part of it. And also, I think the independent media aspect of it is so important because, yes, college is. Do a lot of you know? Do a good job. Most colleges do with their uh sports information offices and putting out information. And you know, I, I wish uh, other leagues had as much information about their players as uh, as college programs do. Yeah. yeah. But That's but true. there's but it's still coming out of you know it's it's they're pushing the stories they want the you know the narratives they want and as they should. But I think having an independent voice is important and people to, to sort of track things especially when stuff happens that maybe they don't really want to talk about or um that you know things things sort of rise to the surface that that just need to be mentioned or need to be covered and it's important to have those, those independent outlets that are are paying attention and are um
0: you know writing about the sport in an in a independent way i i just to, i'm throwing this out there uh what is the some of the maybe the toughest situation you've ever or one of top situations you've ever had to deal with in terms of a coach, maybe not wanting to do an interview or just maybe a, a difficult story or something along those lines. Um, you know, I, I'm just curious just in terms of your experience.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's been, um, there's been some interesting things over the years. I mean, there was a, you know, some hazing, uh, a hazing situation with the LaSalle women's program. And I thought the, I thought the college handled it really well. They, you know, they, they were very um, responsive on putting out statements and things like that. And I, I think it's, it was handled in the right way um, from everything that I saw, you know, this wasn't a story I covered, but you know, the Moravian coach was, was fired a few years ago because he recorded um, a, a conversation with a, it was either a player or a player. Yeah, it was a player and or with the player's dad and then played it for the player and the player's dad was a, chief of police and uh you know it's in pennsylvania you you can't do that so uh that was an interesting one that i didn't necessarily write about but that happened um you know and there's just different things or you know i'm trying to think some other you know there's been some before i started following the union there was a little bit more drama <laughs> like it, with different things that happened um you know locker room scuffles there's been there's been some things um you know we've you know, we've, we've had some, some different things. Like, I think one of the most, the, the, the weirdest thing was we were interviewing Austin trustee at the end of the season. And this was right before he, it was announced he was being traded to Colorado. And he was like, he, he like, he was just like, he was like, yeah, well, the, there's a, the story's going to come out or something. Like he said something like kind of vague that basically like the reason he hadn't been playing and you know, I think that it, essentially what it amounted to was there was there was a contract dispute, right? This is this happens. Two sides try to come to an agreement, and they don't, and then it's it, it wouldn't be the first time that a player they couldn't sign didn't get to play so much because of that. Right. Um, and I think that's uh, that's that's sort of what that story ended up being. I mean, in the end, it it worked out great for Austin. You know, he, you know he got, he got out to Colorado, got a new contract. And now he's, you know, playing over, over in uh, England and from everything I've seen is doing well and trying to get himself into the national team picture. But that was just kind of like an unexpected, (laughs) like like when you think you're going to ask a player like, so, you know, how how are you feeling about your season? You didn't get to play a lot. And then they're they're like, well, let me tell you like, what, what's really going on. I can't really say right now, but it's going to come out like, okay, that's, what do we do with that exactly so um that was that was just kind of one of those interesting things and um I had a player I I won't name who who so uh two seasons ago like made a scene at training and saying like something that I tweeted about like I thought a player was acting like a baby and I didn't appreciate the example he was setting and he kind of called me out for that and I was just like okay like that's not really this isn't really the forum for that but okay um so yeah that was uh that was very unexpected because generally i try to you know you know try to be um you know fair as fair as i can be about players and i and i you know i always say too i think players read read the stuff we write way too much like they 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 sh- probably should not spend their time reading our tweets and <laughs> reading our articles because they have they need to focus on the 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 cells in the game. but um i I understand when your name's out there, you want to read what people have to say. But sometimes I wish they wouldn't <laughs> read read yeah. our stuff as much as they do yeah.
0: I think it's unique for us because especially in the law even another division lower, like in the second division, because I often say, they they just should be happy, and I think they are happy that there's some there's somebody maybe critiquing them a little bit. I don't know about Bob. But Bob, you know, Bob Lilly is uh, he's so hard on his team and then it's hard on himself sometimes. and um sometimes he's tough on us because he's very strict about what he wants in terms of uh, how things should go with his uh, post and he'll but he's the type of coach where if you ask him one question, he'll just tell you everything. Um, you don't have to ask too many questions, which I really like that about him. But I also have to say he's for the almost all the years he's been here. He's been wonderful in terms of uh, accessible and willing to talk and, and share things. Um, and then last week, he just he was so frustrated with his team. He kept them there for over an hour. And it was a preseason game. And I don't usually stay that late to do interviews, but I waited over an hour. So I asked him the question. I said, Bob, so, you know, you were talking to the team for more than an hour. What do, what do you think? Uh, you know, what's what's going on? Um, what, what what are you upset about the most or something along those lines? And he's like, you know what? I I just I really don't want to talk about it today. And he just went went to the locker room like, OK, you know, thank you. Uh, and then uh, he brought one of the players came out and talked to me and I, Bob just wasn't in the mood that day. And that was a first, I mean, after s- six years now. So, Hey, you know what? I think it's a young, young team this year. And I think he's being very, he's demanding uh, a lot from them. And it'll be interesting to see where, where they go. Um, but I think in terms of being an independent media, uh, it, it's just, like you said, to have that voice. I think the soccer fans, needed in that there are people who love the game who want to hear that perspective and get that independent voice covering whether it's high school soccer and the officiating you know I it's it's a very we can go on we can have our own we will probably have our own podcast to talk about this uh in the PIAA and that's definitely something we will will work together uh on but you know, you bring that a topic like that up and it's it becomes lightning rod. And yes, there's going to be those parents who complain or coaches who always complain about the officiating. That's one piece of it. But then it's just the way that the high school game is played and officiated is deserves the uh, attention of independent soccer writers talking about it, saying, wait, we there should be a higher standard for the laws of the game, the way the laws of the game are dictated at the high school level. Why can't they be more aligned with the rest of the world? Why do they have to yeah. have their own, you know? So it's up to us. It's so
1: goofy people. too. Like,
0: what are you guys doing? Like, why Why are we doing this? Yeah, but it, I brought it up. You know, I was one of the first, I mean, I'm not bragging and patting myself on the back, but, you know, these are not articles that the, even the, you know the philadelphia Inquirer or the pittsburgh post-gazette uh, high school coverage teams really spend time on they're just they want to get those scores and they want to do those features to fluff features they don't really get into the nitty-gritty about the sports themselves and this is something where we can we can challenge those things we can hopefully make the sport better um by by asking those difficult questions and What's going on with the PIAA? Are they gonna Are they gonna get rid of the three whistle system? Can they go to a one? You know, all those things like those things should be challenged. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah, that that
1: that's definitely like a a thing that I'm I kind of forget, and then when the season starts back up, I'm like, oh gosh, here we go again. I forgot about this. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's important to have, like you said, to have a place where people can you know and and it's not always even necessarily about writing about this stuff it's 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 having the knowledge base the institutional knowledge the context for things and including um different things in articles that don't get included in press releases uh I was I was just thinking about the the state championship where Wilson had to be it had to be vacated um mm-hmm. uh, because they had an illegal player but um it, when we start talking high school stuff, all these things kind of flood into my mind, my, my, mental bank. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, one of the things that, um, uh, you know, a pet peeve of mine is how when a player signs a contract, it only mentions like, that he played for this Academy or, or that college and, and doesn't mention the fact that they also played it. Like they didn't just show up at the Academy. Right. You know, yeah. Um, you know, Ben Martino didn't just show up at the Union Academy, like he was, and he didn't just show up at Riverhounds Academy either, right? Like he played at clubs before that. And, um, you know, again, with the context of, well, you know, um, you can't always name them all. Like some kids probably don't even know themselves uh, how many clubs they've played for, but just putting but, into context that the Ben Martino, that there are other schools. Yeah.
0: It's a great example because Mark Goodman, who writes for us, Soccer Rabbi, is uh involved with a local club here and the pittsburgh dynamo and they're just you know local city-based club and they're they, they've got a good long soccer tradition it's basically a community club and they're based out of squirrel hill and ben basically got his start playing for the dynamo and he's like you didn't mention the dynamo and you know and and i was like you know what i, I it was i mentioned the river hounds he was at taylor all the high school you know it just it goes on and on but you're right there's this, all these other sometimes you, you you can't get it all in there um sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you there but yeah I no, just, no yeah it's uh something yeah that, it's
1: just like it's a, it's the a context and the bigger picture and that in that institutional knowledge i think is important too is you know going back um because we have the the space to you know and i think there's a little bit of freedom in that too like we can go back and, you know, we have a writer on our staff, Greg Oldfield, who, who played at Penn state and his brother uh, played a little bit professionally as well. And is coaching one of the top amateur clubs around here, but, you know, he, he has this, you know, he he has a lot of contacts through the club and, you know, he, he's done a lot of like pieces about different history and, you know, Taking a step back and providing some context for some of these things, you know. Um, like I would just went down a rabbit hole, a rabbit hole about Jerry Yagley and how um, you know, he was part of this, you know, he was at this very small school in um eastern Lebanon County that was before Elko. Um, <laughs> and it was um Myerstown High School, and it was this tiny school, and they You know, they didn't have a full like state title back then, but he you know, they won the regional title. They they it was actually at Westchester of all places, but they beat Upper Darby and Upper Darby hadn't lost or had a goal scored them all season. And this little tiny little school from (laughs) Eastern Lebanon County came out to Westchester and beat them. And, you know, they won the biggest trophy they could win, which was the regional title unfortunately they didn't get to play against the team from the, the west to, to to have a a, a true national or true state title but you know it's like that's the context for him going to westchester winning a national title and then going to indiana you know like this is this is the background this is the history and this is our state and these are um you know these are these are important things and um i think you know being able to to write about you know what happened, uh, you know, at Riverhounds training is, is, is important, but so too is going back and saying, this is the anniversary of when a team from Pittsburgh won open cup, right? Like going back and taking a look at like the context of all this. And, you know, when you have someone who, you know, like we had, you know, Walt Barr had a, one of his grandsons was playing at West Virginia a few years ago. Like that's cool, right? Like here's a guy who, whose grandfather was, um, very decorated U S men's national team player and he's playing college soccer right now, you know? So I think there's, there's, we have that freedom to kind of go and and sort of take, take those, you know, take those little, um, those little pieces and, and, and follow those rabbit trails and, and, and write about it because, you know, obviously we're the editors, so we can do whatever we want, I guess, but like, but there's that there's an independence and there's a freedom in, in having, having the outlets that we have.
0: Yeah. And a good way to kind of wrap up this conversation uh, is really looking ahead. 2023, you and I, as I mentioned at the outset, you know, I think we're both, we have unique sites as Pittsburgh soccer. Now Philadelphia soccer now where, you know, you're going in one direction with certain things and I'm going in another, but then there's going to be points where we're going to come together and there's going to be some interesting things that we can do together this year. Uh, And I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to, you know, between now and the beginning of high school soccer season, what what uh, conversations we can have looking at the youth game looking at the potential of you mentioned state cup like state cups never really had a lot of coverage anyway so is that something that we want to explore you know so there's a lot of possibilities I think that between the two of us uh, there's things that we can do and we could look at Uh, and also looking at just Pennsylvania across the board I think who's out there, who are all the professional players that are out there? You know, wh- where do they play? You know, we've got West, we've got East. We've talked about how do we bring it together with the central? And uh, so these are the topics that you and I will have off the grid conversations. Maybe we'll be bringing to the forefront, um, maybe on future podcasts and also in our coverage uh, on our separate sites. Uh, but then I think it will, it can very much come together when we're covering certain college um you know, games, whether our Western teams are playing in the Eastern part of the state, Eastern teams are playing on, on our side of the state. um, And we can sort of work together and provide Pennsylvania, all soccer fans on both sides with a lot of uh, excellent coverage. And then I think it can culminate certainly with uh, the PIAA, you know, whether we are going back to uh, where were we in Mechanicsburg last year? It's like we lost this. Yeah. Not being in Hershey just threw me way off, but you, you made the trip.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was funny too, is that, you know, so Hershey finally makes a final and they win it and it's not in Hershey. (laughs) Crazy. Uh, Yeah. It's like, you know, how many, it was like 20 some straight years that had been in Hershey and no no Hershey boys or girls team had made the final. And then the first year it's not there that, and now they were a good team. I mean, I think Springfield Township, I was a little surprised that they were able to beat. Uh, Springfield Township is a really really quality team Um, you know really plays plays soccer the right way and um, and no disrespect to Hershey I just I, I thought they were they were that was a tough game for them and they 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 really were organized and compact and they sat in and they they had a chance and they took advantage of it and you know, got to win that that first state title. And it's just funny that it was in Mechanicsburg and I. <laughs> um, we actually, we got shut out this year. And um so Hershey won close to home. And then, of course, the Lower Dolphin, well, um, not Lower Dolphin, sorry, Central Dolphin, that girls team, which was so good, beat, uh, I thought, another incredible team from our area in Penridge, uh, a team that will probably be back. I think both of those teams, Penridge, uh, girls and Springfield Township boys were both very, they're very young uh, for, for high school teams, but, um, but yeah, that, that, you know, and it's, it's, it's great to kind of, um, I think too, is like I'll probably pay attention even more. I, I have been paying attention over the years ever, you know, ever since I discovered Pittsburgh soccer now, just cause it's, I love, I love that. Um, I love that connection. And, you know, I'd always had it in the back of my mind, like, wouldn't it be cool if we did something together? And then, and then, and then the Vox media thing happened. I'm like, John, like, we should do this. Um, but yeah, you know, like, you know, I think Beedling, I just saw on the schedule Beedling will be here um, for uh, is that girls Academy, I guess are the are they girls Academy. Yeah. So they'll be here for some games coming up. So, you know, when I start to see that, you know, it, it kind of like, Oh, it's like, Oh, this is exciting. We can, you, you definitely you know, have, like you said,
0: because I you yeah. know, sometimes I, I lose track cause of everything else that's going on and, um, but if there's a local, uh, you know, teams coming out here as well, we'll, we'll be happy to uh, kind of follow and, and share and, and do more uh, on our end as well. Because, as I said earlier, it's kind of like bread and butter. We get a lot of people really appreciate and that extended coverage. And, um, and then the other piece of it is, you know, the academy levels, uh, you know, being the fact that, you know, the Philadelphia uh, Union Academy has produced a lot of players that have moved on. There have been a few that have come from the Western side of the state to go because it's the MLS level Academy. We just don't have that Mm -hmm. in the state. Um, So that'll be interesting to follow, see how that evolves over the next, you know, few years to see what's coming out of Western Pennsylvania, where some of those kids are going to end up going or, you know, our issue is there's just no, I mean, even in our, at the Riverhounds level, Louisville City just started an academy not too long ago, and there's kids that are they're bringing up 16, 17, 18 year olds to be on their mm-hmm. roster. The Riverhounds just don't have anybody like that that they can just bring up in uh, that's a home true true homegrown talent. So that's all mm-hmm. for another day as well. It's a lot of topics yeah. today we've been talking about today.
1: Yeah, Joel Torbic is one I'm I'm excited about. I think he got some minutes with was it Phoenix Rising I guess because he's out at um, the residency program Barca. Now, after leaving the Union, but uh, yeah, there's been some good. Like we've gotten some good players from from out that way. Um, over the years, I like, certainly Ben Martinez kind of the the poster child now within signing with Nashville. But um, it'll be interesting to see how he does at Huntsville, and you know he's you know he needs obviously he needs games, and he'll get that there, which is which is good for him.
0: Yeah, we got so many connections with that. Uh, Nashville. Now we have Ben over there. We have Danny Griffin who played for the Riverhounds last three years. Oh yeah. He's in Huntsville as well. And I had a great conversation with Danny because he was in Pittsburgh last week. Uh, he had a week off and he just for some reason decided to come down into the, the Hounds preseason game and had to wait out Bob's one hour plus speed to, to see us. <laughs> but uh, anyway so Matt, and I'm excited about Joe
1: Farrell, you know, um, because obviously his his family is, uh, has yeah. some history in Philadelphia as well. Oh, his dad was insane. a yes. longtime coach at LaSalle. Yeah.
0: So there you go. And he is just a great guy to talk to. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to talk to him. I interviewed him probably the first, second week of preseason. Uh, and it was right before the Super Bowl. So he was all Eagles. He was all in. Uh, uh, so I haven't had a chance to console him uh, since uh, – uh, he doesn't know that I've uh I was a Giants fan. I'm a Giants fan, lifelong Giants fan, just because I grew up in the New York City area and my grandfather was a seed and ticket holder. I know I'm losing all these kinds of points with the Philly people now, but um but yeah, I'm probably get ready to tease him um at some point uh, next time I see him. But I know we have more, i it, we can dig dig even deeper, but there are other players with um connections from um eastern pennsylvania too i think with this river hounds group um it's one or two um jamali Waite, right is uh academy yeah yeah so
1: of course kiesel broom i mean kiesel broom is one of my all-time favorites the yeah the, the delaware guy
0: uh who played for for river hounds and still lives out that way yes i, I believe he does live out this way and I've uh, yeah. i've connected with him a few times on social media all right, well, Matt. I mean, we again, we could go on and on all night, and uh, but we're just—I'm just excited about this partnership and seeing. Uh, now, I'm tuned in a lot more to Philadelphia Union soccer, uh, and and what's going on on your side of the state. And I think hopefully, you know, it, it it's a mutual. Um, and I have connected with some of your writers now, and um, vice versa. So so we're excited uh, about where where everything's going to go.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah, it'll be it'll be great, and like you said, there's there's lots to explore.
0: All right, well, we'll end it on that note, and uh, I think there's going to be more podcasts to come together and talk about, really get into the nitty gritty and details of certain topics and um, different things as the the year progresses. So, all right, Matt, thanks for uh, joining me on the latest edition here of Sounding Off on Soccer. Have a great night.
1: You too. Thanks.